0: Amen. Thank you, musicians, platform workers. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Job, chapter 38. We've been looking for a number of weeks in a series called Dealing with Doubt. And basically, we are simply looking at common objections to Christianity. Things that people say, I find it hard to believe in Christianity or in God because of this. Or because of that, we're going to uh, look at a very deep one. Uh, tonight has to do with the issue of suffering and evil. A man named John Mackey, he wrote a book called The Miracle of Theism, which is the belief in God. And uh, the, the basis of the whole book summed up is this. If God exists, He wouldn't create a world filled with pointless evil. The world is filled with pointless evil, therefore, God does not exist. And that's a very common objection you will hear from atheists or people who uh, do not believe in God. So, how do we respond to the issue of suffering and evil? I think it would do us well to uh, look. I've deliberately chosen the book of Job because it's not a man with a perfect life simply talking theories about God, but a man who went through intense suffering personally. And in the middle of his suffering, he has an encounter with God. And I think this would do us well. We're actually going to look, you know, the, the layout of the whole book and the first two chapters of Job. Uh, speak about all the things that he went through and his suffering, death of family, loss of health, finances, marriage difficulties. From chapter 3 through 37 is uh, his so-called friends who torment him with neat answers and accusations. Chapter 38, God shows up. And we're going to read just a few verses. Chapters 38 through 41 are simply God speaking to Job. And then we'll we'll skip to chapter 42. Let's start reading when God shows up in chapter 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding of this Questioning by God goes on for four chapters. Let's skip to chapter 42, which is the conclusion of God speaking to Job. The Bible says in chapter 42, verse 1, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. In other words, I spoke about things I did not understand. Things that are too wonderful for me, which I didn't know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said I will question you. You shall answer me. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself. I repent in dust and ashes. <clears throat> and so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, The Timonite, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job will pray for you. I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your foolishness. Because you have not spoken to me what is right like my servant Job has. Suffering and evil. Let's begin. Let's simply lay a foundation. Talk about the foundation of questioning God. This is one of the most common arguments against God or people who do not believe in God. This is called the atheological uh, argument from evil. Atheological means Anti-God. It is the anti-God argument based on evil. It simply says there can't be a God because there is so much evil and suffering in the world. And so, this is human beings who are trying to comprehend God based on circumstances and based on what they see. Most commonly, uh, atheists will refer to troubles in the world as evil, and they do not, they're not talking about moral evil, doing right and wrong. They are speaking of evil simply as something harmful or injurious or causing pain or suffering. A man named Walter Senate Armstrong said, There is lots of evil in the world, There would not be so much evil if there were an all-good and and an all-powerful God. Therefore, there is no such God. These are common statements, commonly repeated. They they often say this, if if God is all-powerful, but He doesn't stop evil, that means He's not all-good. Therefore, either He doesn't exist or I won't serve Him. Or on the other hand, if He's all-good but he can't stop evil, then he's not all-powerful. And either he doesn't exist or he is not worth serving. October 2001, Los Angeles Times quoted the president of the American Atheist Society. And uh, this man was talking about 9-11, the terrorist attack. He said, if 9-11 wasn't a wake-up call to the religious nation of America, I don't know what is. 9-11 9-11 said to me, there is no God. Where was he? On a coffee break? And so that is, is rational thinking, trying to understand God. And I want, I want to say this is, uh, uh, these are very deep. These are very, uh, uh, the most painful issues of life. We are not, the issues we're discussing tonight, this is not mental tiddlywinks. You ever talk to people, they want to have you know, uh, theoretical argument. Can God make a rock so big that He can't move it? This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about some of the most deep and, and mind-bending issues of life. We're talking about the universality of suffer, suffering and evil. That means it happens to everyone. Job 5.7 says, A man, man is born to trouble, just like sparks. Fly upward from a fire. Every person here, you will experience suffering at some point in your life. You will. That's just the way it is. If you haven't yet, you must be very young because this is just the nature of life, and the Bible's honest about that. It, it is universal. Every family will experience uh, tragic circumstances. There are people here you could each tell your tale about. Divorce, about molestation, abandonment, and uh, different issues that have happened in the family. Just this past week, the night before we uh, left Australia, had had someone that we're they're, they're trying to comprehend in their own family uh, a father that would abandon children, and and this is messing with their head. Talking about victims of of crime. And uh, dealing with the consequences. Talking about sickness and death. People that we love that that die. And then, of course, people often point to natural disasters. Suffering is universal. And then, of course, there is the randomness of evil and suffering. You know, it would be one thing if the only people that suffered, we say, you know, this guy, he got killed while committing a terrible crime. It's like... You know, that happens. You know, Toothless Bubba, his meth lab blew up on him. We say, well, you know, that that happens, but what do you expect? But if you look at life, that is not often how life works out. Good people suffer. People who we say they are totally innocent. These are people that suffer. That's what life is like. The randomness of life that there are things that seem to single out one person and leave another one untouched. Years ago, Lisa and I lived in Melbourne, Australia. The church was very close to the docks. And there was a road that went to the city. I'll never forget this, that in the news there was a a truck that was taking, had uh, two uh, sea containers stacked one on top of the other, and the man did not realize the height, wasn't thinking about the height. And so he hit a bridge with the, the second container. There was a man simply on his way to work who happened to be there at that moment when the truck hit the bridge, the sea container fully loaded, toppled on top of his van and squashed it flat. Two seconds faster, he would be alive. A couple say, one car before, they live, and this man died. You you look at things like that, it's like, why? Why him? These are the things that hurt people's heads. Then you think about terrible timing. You, no doubt, read in the paper from time to time as someone that, you know, they retired and right after they retired they died, or people on their wedding day, or, or a birthday, you know, terrible timing. These are the issues that suffering is universal, suffering, suffering at times, it, it seems so random. And these are the things that cause people to question in their hearts and minds, and even question God. We're reading from the book of Job. This man, he suffers financial reversals, loses his wealth, his children die, he becomes intensely sick, he has marriage difficulties, and then as I I said for 37 chapters or, or so, 36 or 37 chapters... He has so-called friends. This is where we get the term Job's comforters. In the middle of all this suffering, he has some self-righteous people who come. They want to give him neat answers. I'll tell you why this happened. You know why? You must be wicked. And they accuse him. On and on and on. You must have done something wrong to deserve this. Incredibly cruel. And so Job, who believes in God... He begins to question God, and throughout the book of Job, he comes to the conclusion: I can't wait to talk to God. You ever heard someone say that? I have some questions for God. That's that's Job. He's looking at his own suffering and his own pain. He says, "Hey, hey I want to talk to God because I've got some questions. Because this doesn't add up. This is normal with human." suffering. 33% of parents who suffered the death of a child reported they had doubts about God in the first year of bereavement. In another study, 90% of mothers who'd given birth to a profoundly retarded child, they said they had doubts about the existence of God. And so these are incredibly painful issues. They're not merely theoretical Issues dreamt up by someone with one semester of college. People wrestling with real life issues. And they come to the conclusion, is there a God? And if there is a God, why is there so much suffering? Let's talk secondly about the logic of suffering. This is an incredibly deep subject. And I I repeat again these... The issues that we're talking about, we could spend months and months and months and and talk about them. So, you appreciate that I'm I'm having to skim and just trying to trigger your mind somewhat. Think about the logic of suffering. Think about several issues. We have to recognize that we're talking about suffering in general. Number one, there are different kinds of suffering and evil. They're not all the same. Some suffering and evil, we say, well, that's terrible, but we're actually talking about consequences. You know, if you get drunk, drive your car, crash it, and that costs you financially, or God forbid you hit someone else and harm them or, or kill them. It would not be fair for you to say, God, how come that you did that? Right? So there is suffering. You cannot just say, All suffering. You know, how come, God? Well Some is very easy to understand. It's consequences. Then secondly, we have to understand logically. You know, the argument is is all suffering. It's often the word that is used is pointless. Suffering is pointless. But we have to use logic for a moment. There can be good reasons for suffering. Atheist Dan Barker. He said you can't get through life without some harm. It's wrong to stick a needle into a baby, but if that baby needs a life-saving injection, we'll cause that harm. We'll do that. The baby won't understand it, but we'll do that because there is greater good. It is debate with Peter Payne. Barker stated often ethics involves creating harm, sometimes harm, is good. So this is even an atheist who's arguing against God, but he says, but I do recognize that not all suffering is necessarily bad. Sometimes suffering has a purpose. The third thing about suffering is that your understanding or my understanding about life is not the final standard. You have people who turn against God because of things they do not understand, or because of their perspective. They say, that's unfair, I don't get it, so therefore, either God is unjust and I won't serve Him, or there must be no God. But think historically, in times past, there have been people who turned against science because of things they didn't understand, and they were wrong. It was a man named Galileo who came up with the idea and first espoused the idea. He said, The sun does not revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. And they threatened this man, actually, with death for having such an outrageous idea. So much so, they made him recant. He said, I apologize. Actually, the sun. But those people were wrong. So, my point is that there are people who they look at life, they come to conclusions, but it is possible that based on your perspective or my perspective, we could be wrong. So, atheism, one of the things we've been looking at in numbers of these messages, you know, the, the accusation against Christians is, yeah, it's, it's based on faith, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I'm not not trying to hide that. But atheism, as we've looked in numbers of the things we've looked at, atheism is faith. It involves incredible faith. And one of the things is that an atheist is placing faith in their own logic. The terms that are used by atheists is suffering is pointless. Suffering is unnecessary. So, listen to this quote. Atheists suggest that any suffering that the atheist does not deem necessary is pointless. They use the term pointless to mean that they can't see the point of it. So, in other words, there's a hidden premise, and that is, if evil appears pointless to me, then it must be pointless. Just because you can't imagine a reason why God uh, might allow something to happen doesn't mean that there can't be one. If our minds can't plumb the depths of the universe for good answers to suffering, well then there can't be any. But I say to you, that is faith. So, so this man, John Mackey, he says, if there was a God, this is how he would act. Says John. Right? I mean, that is incredible faith. I know I'm human, limited by time and space, but I know how a transcendent, eternal being shouldn't would act. Then I suggest, Mr. Mackey, then you are placing incredible faith in your own logic, which is, of course, very limited. There's a second major area we think about the issue of suffering and evil, and that is... If you complain about suffering and evil, the simple question is, how do you know that there is evil? If you say something is evil, that means then you must have some standard of good. If you believe in evolution, the Big Bang Theory, that we simply are a random collection of chemicals, you basically are meat and that evolution is the survival of the fittest, then how can you complain when someone commits a crime and in essence is surviving because they are fitter or because they have a weapon or something? How are you to say that something is wrong? Where is the standard coming from? C.S. Lewis was a famous atheist. He was a professor. He became an atheist primarily because of this issue. His mother died when he was very young. Had a number of family tragedies. His own words, he said, My argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. But then he began to think, Where did I get this idea of what is just and unjust? He says, You don't call a line crooked unless you have some idea of what a straight line looks like. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? Now, he said, I could have just said, well, it's just my uh, private idea of my own, but he said, if it's my own private idea, then I have no reason to rage against God because my argument against God would collapse too. The very act of trying to prove that God doesn't exist or that the whole of reality was senseless, I was forced to assume that one part of reality, that is, my idea of justice, was based on sense, which actually is from God. And he said, consequently, I came to the conclusion, atheism is actually too simple. It's not too hard. And so we have to consider that fact. The Bible teaches us that evil and suffering... That is a moral issue. Evil, biblically, is not defined as anything that hurts you or anything that injures you. Evil is defined as, biblically, turning away from God's rule. God created a world that was perfect. There was no pain, there was no suffering or evil as an atheist would define it, but... God created people with a free will. And this is one of those deep... You can go round and round about this one. Is Why did he create people with a free will? Because robots are no fun. That's why. I love you, baby. No, that's not going to be very satisfying, is it? What you want... That's the whole idea of love, isn't it? Is I choose you out of all the fish in the sea. My wife... Chose me as the big tuna. That's great. Right? So God created people with a free will. You don't have to serve God. If you choose to obey, there will be no pain, there will be no suffering. But the moment that people chose to turn away, that's what evil is, to turn away from God, that is when evil and suffering, as we... Are looking at it, was released. It affected them personally. It affected other people, their own families. That's the tragedy of sin, is it hurts other people. And then, of course, it affected even creation. Romans 8, 20 and 21 says, The creation was subject subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it, in the hope that the creation will be set free from its bondage to decay, to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So some of the consequences that we're looking at in life, they are moral issues. They're consequences of turning away from God. It is illogical to complain about the consequences of evil at the same time you are evil. That does not make sense. That is like complaining about the air quality in the room while you chain-smoke cigars. This is what the Bible gives us understanding. What people often say, a common argument, is if there was a God, why doesn't He remove all evil? Right? Why doesn't God stop babies from suffering or stop tsunamis? Why why doesn't God... That's very short-sighted. What we want is God deal with war, deal with murderers. But if God dealt with that evil, he would also have to deal with us. For God to remove evil, (laughs) this wouldn't go well for us. Because we measure, on a human perspective, in degrees. I'm not as bad as the guy I read about today in the paper. But God is perfect. If you want him to remove evil, well, then that's going to personally affect you and I. And so this is the logic of suffering. Let's look at one final thought. Let's talk about wisdom and power. Book of Job. First two chapters. All of the suffering that he went through. Then 35 chapters or so. Neat answers from small-minded men. Accusations actually making it worse. And then God shows up. I want you to understand something about life. If I could give you a word of advice. One thing about understanding life, you are not going to fully understand life. Okay, if you were hoping in the sermon that I would be able in... 20 minutes or less, be able to solve all the mysteries of the universe. Very, very interesting to me is is Job. He's, he's, He's suffering, he's in pain, his heart is broken. People are accusing him and he says, I can't wait to talk to God. I've got some questions. We read just the first few verses of chapter 38 and God shows up. And what is so interesting to me is that God does not show up and say, Go ahead, Job. Lay it on me. Questions of the universe. Number one. The Bible says God shows up and instead of answering questions, He asks Job questions. This goes on for four chapters. If you study it, God asks 60 questions of Job. Let's just read two verses. God says, Where were you, Job? When I laid the foundations of the earth, tell me, if you have understanding, who determined the measurements of the earth or the universe? Surely you must know. Who stretched the line upon it, or in the order that it would be? To what are the foundations of the earth fastened? So, God shows up not answering questions, but asking questions. He's not doing this to try to get out of something. I'm going to confuse him. I'm going to ask him quite, and then he'll forget. That's not why God is doing this. Think about this. God is saying to Job, Job, you as a human being, there is information that is beyond you. That's why I'm not coming down giving you neat answers. You're not going to work this out, Job. I think I said in a previous sermon some months back, this is... This is like my wife and I. We were babysitting my grandson. He had an ear infection. We had to put drops in his ear. This was very painful. And it was not possible for us, for a, a child, I don't remember if he was yet two at that time, it was not possible for us to pull out, you know, show him photos of, of germs and say, this is what's in your ear right now. <laughs> this is if we give an antibiotic. All he knew is... Owie! And he was not willing. He fought. We're trying to help. No, Benji, we're going to help. And Lisa's very pay- No, Benji, this is going to help you. This is. It. And finally, she has one arm and one leg, and I have the other one. We're holding him down. I'm for- holding his head. You're not going to get this. You're one. That is, that is part of the problem people, they're wrestling with very real pain. And what they want is like, Job, I want want to tick the box. I want to get this. Why did grandma die? We want somebody to show up and say, well, you see, Lee Strobel put it this way. He said, imagine a hunter finds a bear in a trap. He wants to help free it. And so the bear sees him lift his gun to shoot him full of drugs. The bear assumes that this is an attack. Then he has to push the bear further into the trap to help release the spring. He said the bear would be convinced that the hunter was his enemy because he wants to cause him suffering and pain. But the bear would be wrong. He reaches this conclusion because he is not a human being. That is a very simple way of of stating this. God says, Job, there is information, that is. there are certain things we can use logic on, and yet, this is beyond you. The second thing we have to know is that your understanding, or my understanding, does not determine the reality of something. Right now, the earth is tilted on an axis and it is spinning a thousand miles an hour. While at the same time, it is traveling 17,108 miles an hour. It's going 17,000 miles an hour, spinning a thousand miles an hour. I don't really get why we're not flung off in space right now. I I don't get music, that's because it's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Whether I understand it doesn't change it. If Greg Mitchell says, wait a minute. I don't believe that we're spinning. The world doesn't stop. That's what God says. He shows up. He says, his answer to Job is Job. I was always here. Before you ever were, I already was. I was in control. And I will be in control whether you understand that or not. That does not mean that we should not wrestle with the logic of suffering. As I said, Christianity is a religion that God wants you to use your mind. However, your understanding or my understanding doesn't change the reality of God. There's a very powerful promise that we see. God shows up, and that is the promise of presence. Job is in the middle of his own personal suffering, his family suffering. Chapter 38 God comes down where Job was. Christianity is the only religion that makes this claim. God comes down where people live. Christianity is not if you follow this, these ethics, these rules, these rituals, you eventually get up to God. No, no, no. Christianity is God comes down. Jesus Christ is God come Out of heaven, God became a human being. He, who felt no pain, there is no injustice in heaven, he made a choice to come out of heaven to live as a human being. And he did suffer rejection and poverty, injustice and violence. One of the most incredible scriptures in all the Bible is he cries out from the cross while he's suffering, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because this is Christianity. You may not, you may never come to understand the personal suffering of your own life or suffering in the world in general. But please, even if you don't understand it, please never say that God is indifferent or that He doesn't know what it feels like. Because this is the promise of Christianity. It's it's presence. Christianity is not, if you serve God, nothing bad will ever happen. Christian tires never go flat. That is not Christianity. Christians never get sick. Christians never lose their job. They never have problems. Absolutely not. But what Christianity does say is that God will come down and be with you. And that any of you that have gone through this, you know what I'm talking about. God said to Paul, he was saying, God, I don't like this. Take it away. And he said, my grace is sufficient for... Last year, you know, when the 19 firefighters died, Scotty Norris was one. I'll never forget, a couple of days after this, I went to the Norris' house. And Jim Norris said, this morning, God met with me in prayer. All the things going on. he said, God met with me. That's very powerful, because this is what the promise of God is, is to be with you and to help in the middle of suffering. Not to remove all suffering, to be in the middle. Winds up with God's wisdom and power. Chapter 38, it is so interesting to me. God uses a number of words, know, comprehend, understand, and wisdom. But in all of these, chapters 38 through 41, all are set in terms of creation. God's answer to Job's I don't get it. He begins to talk about his power that was shown in creation. We learn some things about God. Number one, God is powerful enough to turn things around. Sometimes he does this. So I said, it's not the promise you'll never have anything bad. But the power of God is that sometimes God can fix it. He can turn it around miraculously. Job 42.10. The Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. In fact, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. We see this. We are a Pentecostal church. That means we believe in the power of of God. Jennifer Solano came told me before the service, she said that Pastor Mitchell prayed for her last week. They said she had a problem in her cornea. Went back to the doctor and they said it is totally fine. That is what God is able to do. And He does that. But number two, God is wise enough to bring good out of evil. He does not. Shield us from every problem and all human suffering. But here he says, let me show you my wisdom in creation. And one of the things means, sometimes God doesn't fix the problem by preventing it. You'll never have a problem. But God says, let me bring something good out of it. Genesis 50, 20, you meant it for evil but God meant it for good. God had a plan. The wickedness, his own brothers sell him into slavery. A woman lies about him, gets him thrown into prison. Him having a relationship with God was not, you will never stub your toe. But in the middle, God says, he makes something good happen out of that. Becomes the prime minister of Egypt. Saves not only that nation, but the nation of Israel. Romans 8, 28 puts it this way, that all things work together for good. That's, I'm just quoting just a small portion about this. This is God. For those who have relationship with God, you're not, you're not just left. We're not babies in a boxcar just random events but God says I have power my power does not simply prevent suffering but sometimes my power is enough to bring good things out of suffering and then of course God's eternal power means that he ultimately will deal with evil and suffering 1st Corinthians 15:54 when this corruptible body shall put on incorruption This mortal will put on immortality. Then the saying will be brought to pass that says, Death is swallowed up in victory. One final thought here. God is for you more than you realize. Job, in the middle of his pain, I want to talk to God. I got some questions. And God shows up. God begins to talk to him and Job says, I'm dead. I'm, I have nothing to say. No questions. I'm fine. <laughs> because in his mind, this is this is going to be God shows up, right? God show This is bad. I've been running my mouth, and now God shows up. But I don't know if you caught this. God asked him all these questions. Joseph, I, look, I I got nothing to say. And the amazing thing is that then, God turns to Job's friends, and says, "I am very happy with Job, and you need to be like him." That's amazing. You know, there are people I don't believe in God, all oh, but He believes in you. That's what that tells me. God didn't come down. How dare you? How dare you question my existence? He knows this man is struggling. I I, I don't get this. He says, Job, I am for you. I'm not against you. And his answer, ultimately, is sacrifice. He tells the friends, take seven bulls and seven rams. In other words, the problem here is a moral one. You're separated from God. (laughs) He says to the friends, you need to deal with your sin problem." thank God we don't live in those days. We don't have to sacrifice animals. Looking ahead, the ultimate answer is Jesus Christ. He's the perfect sacrifice. And God, here's the hope of Christianity. God can deal with what is wrong in us so that then He can work through us to begin to fix things around us. The most incredible story in all of the world is the story of Jesus Christ. That God loved us enough, became a man, suffered and died to fix what's wrong inside. We rage against God, we use God's name as a swear word, and yet He is for you. The old Soviet Union, one of their periodic efforts to eradicate religious belief the Communist Party sent KGB officials to the to churches on Sunday morning. One agent was struck by the devotion of an elderly woman who was kissing the feet of a life-size carving of Jesus on the cross. He said to her, Grandmother, are you also prepared to kiss the feet of the beloved secretary of our great Communist Party? She said, why, of course, but only if you crucify him first. Because this is Christianity. Christianity is not, I've got a cleverer argument. Ha ha, I take what you say about God, I can. No, no, no. The answer is a crucified Christ. Jesus Christ. Of a God who is for you, even in the middle of your suffering and pain. He wants to help you. I want you to bow your heads.